Hi, this is Matt Stagliano, and thanks for being part of the Artist Forge. We're a community of creatives who help each other think like an artist by discussing creativity as a process instead of a skill or a talent. We believe everyone has what it takes to create something amazing, we just need some encouragement and inspiration along the way. What you're about to hear is a live recording of one of our daily discussions on the Clubhouse app. If you like what you hear, I encourage you to join our private Facebook group or visit us on the web at theartistforge.com. Now on to the show. Good morning and welcome to Morning Walk and Photo Talk with the Artist Forge. We are continuing our conversation around, ooh, sorry for the cars, y'all, around conflict and <laughs> there goes the bus. Um, only this time it's internal, right? So yesterday we talked about what we do when our environment falls out of whack, when we don't have the kind of habits built that will help us get back into flow if we get interrupted, some of the thought patterns and processes that are connected to that, and some things that we can maybe try to make it not happen again in the future. And today, we're gonna to be continuing with the list of examples that our friends talked about yesterday, different things we all face. So today is imposter syndrome day. Something that many, many artists deal with and very fair to mention, as David has mentioned in the past, unfortunately, he hasn't been able to be with us lately. Here comes the car. But we do need to be careful in making sure that we're not self-diagnosing. So as we talk about these different conflicts, these different um, difficulties that we face as artists, our internal struggles, there's so many cars. <laughs> go as fast as I can, um, that we don't, that we don't diagnose ourselves or, you know, give ourselves actual issues that we don't have. There's certainly a, a percentage of difficulty in the area of imposter syndrome that everybody's going to have sometimes, right? A normal level of anxiety about things. Um, and that will affect us more or less depending on how we feel about the issue that we're dealing with. Maybe we really get it heavily when it comes to networking and dealing with other people. Maybe it's not really there when it comes to uh, our art or putting ourselves out there for awards. But whatever it is, we just wanna be careful that we're not necessarily diagnosing ourselves, um, but that we recognize that these feelings are going to show up and they're gonna be different for each of us. Some people will have true imposter syndrome where no matter what they do or how qualified they are, they will never feel like they have earned it, like they can stand there confidently and say, I am this. And everybody eventually is going to find out that they're a liar and it was all luck and all those other things. Um, so, before we get into the conversation, just recognize that these feelings are gonna fall all over the scale, that they're going to fall all over the scale, not only for us as individuals, as part of a group, but in different aspects of our careers, from the art to the business, selling, all of those things. So I wanna begin just by making sure for folks who have never heard of imposter syndrome, this is a room full of artists, so I doubt. <laughs> I doubt that nobody's heard of it, but just in case, 
imposter syndrome is basically the feeling that no matter how much we succeed, no matter how many skills we have, no matter how much of a knowledge base we've built, um, we never believe that those things are actually integrated skills that we deserve to have and that eventually, at some point, everybody will discover that it was all luck, that it was somehow an accident, that we don't deserve uh, to have the title or be called the name or earn the money or have the awards or whatever it is that we've got, they'll discover that we're imposters. And this can be really deleterious to some people's ability to move forward with their art and their business. It can be absolutely damning and hold them back, or it can just be something that we struggle with and have to push past on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. And so we want to be able to look at this today, figure out how much it affects us and what we can do to stop imposter syndrome from stealing the joy from our art, from us being able to move forward with ideas or plans, um, to put ourselves out there for networking, just all the things. So let me make sure Kat is a moderator today too. And then I just wanna find out who deals with imposter syndrome. Uh, hey, artists, probably everybody a little bit, but who deals with it? We'll start with the panel. Do either of you guys deal with imposter syndrome and what do you do about it? I don't know if this conversation could come at a better time. I missed yesterday's <laughs> I missed yesterday's uh, clubhouse because I had a shoot. I had a real estate agency coming in to my studio to do headshots and some group shots. This is a group that I've shot before in the past over the years, and we we're just refreshing them for 2021. I came in yesterday from the moment go. To the time we finished, I felt like I was a complete fraud. I couldn't connect to anybody. The shots weren't going well. The people didn't want to be there. They were incredibly self-critical. We're not listening to anything that I was saying over and over and over. And this went on for a few hours. At the end of the shoot, will I be able to salvage some shots? Yes, absolutely. Will... I ever recover? I don't know if I'll ever recover. Um, I I came home yesterday full of self-doubt. I'm not good at what I do. I can't connect to people like I, I think I can. Uh, they didn't have a good time. They're never going to love these photos. They're going to talk. I'm never going to get another job. Yada, yada, yada. Now, that was the initial that was the initial feeling, right? And it kind of spun me off axis for for several hours. And then calmed down a little bit, talked to a couple of friends, was able to kind of quiet my mind a little bit. And I know that one bad day doesn't reflect on a career of good work, but man, oh man, if it doesn't hit you right in the gut when it's happening. So um, yeah, there was it was really interesting to feel the feelings of imposter syndrome just bubble up like old faithful and just wash all over me. Thankfully because of this group and because of having the conversations that I like to have with my friends, um, you realize that one incident, one shoot doesn't define who you are as a photographer or an artist or anything like that. Um, and that aberrations happen and that there's a law of averages for a reason. But man, if it didn't, uh, if it didn't hit me pretty hard last night, I tell you what. So great conversation to start with today. I would love 
to answer any questions you may have, Nicole. Well, that's good because I'm gonna ask. All right, so yes, I, I can empathize with you there. I've certainly had clients where that was the case. For some reason, our visions just weren't connecting. They weren't responding well. They were uncomfortable despite all my best efforts. Just, but just those times when your groove does not fall into their groove and, uh, and it's rough. You do sit back and you question yourself. Um, and I think sometimes that is the price of comfort zones, right? Because when we've been working a certain way in a certain style for a long time, we've built up these really beautiful comfort zones and all of a sudden somebody comes along who forces us outside our comfort zone. And then it's like, whoa, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't like it. It doesn't match up with anything I believe about myself just bites. So you said it threw you for loop for a couple of hours, which is totally understandable. We talked about yesterday, the fact that we need to feel our feelings. It's important to have the time to process what's actually going on. But then you said you talked to some friends and things kind of started feeling better. So what does that process look like for you? What kind of conversations are you having? And is there anything that you're focusing on to help pull you out of that space and remind you that even if a major league baseball player strikes out, um, they're still pretty freaking awesome at what they do. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the, the conversations that I have, most of the time, if I get to the point where I'm calling someone for help, it's usually because I need them to listen to my analysis and figure out if I'm crazy or not. Right. So a lot of times I've already worked through as many of the angles as I can work through. But I need someone to hear me and be like, all right, you're way off base or yeah, no, I get that totally. So for me, you know, it was taking that beat that I've talked about before and just kind of breathing a little bit, calming down and saying like, all right, let's look at this. If I weren't in my head, how would I be observing what was going on? And, you know, look at the entire situation, look at me as a photographer, look at the service that I provided and the preparation that went into it. Did I do everything that I could? So on and so forth. So when I when I get to the, talking to my friends, it it becomes, all right, here's what I'm feeling. Um, is this off base? Can you tell me, you know, was there a part of the story that you heard that I'm, you know, rationalizing away or, you know, um, am I making too big of a deal out of this, but this is what I'm feeling. This is how I've analyzed it. Give me your input. Right. And that tends to help because usually you get a, a big fat dose of, listen, you're in your head, get out of your head, stop it. <laughs> At least my, that's how my friends treat me. Um, and from there, it's like, all right, you know, you start to see things um, not so terribly and you really get a chance to just kind of sit back and observe it, you know, objectively and say, you know, things weren't as bad as you think they are. But it's OK that you felt the way that you did. It means there are ways that you can improve for next time. And that's the spin that I always put on it. What did I learn how can I make it better for next time? And a lot of times if I'm left to myself and just thinking of those things rather than talking it out with somebody, I'll just spin and spin and spin. The act of verbalizing it and actually having a confidant that I can speak to about these things that understands really helps get 
you know, to the end of those feelings quicker. And is there anything that you look for? So I know when I'm struggling, there are certain people I will go to for certain things. Is there anything that you look for in who you decide to confide in for those times? Totally. It's uh, for this type of stuff. It's got to be another artist, got to be another photographer, someone that understands the way the brain works for business. It would be something different um, or someone different with a different set of skills. For me, um, my artistic friends are the go-to for any of those kind of internal struggles because they can relate. They can understand. Um, I don't want a pity party and I don't want someone to agree with me. I just need someone to understand so that I don't have to describe four years of therapy to them in 30 seconds. So just someone that's empathetic and can understand coming from the same kind of artistic point of view. Yeah, that makes absolutely perfect sense. So what we're looking at this morning, y'all, if you're just joining us, is imposter syndrome, how we deal with that as artists and business people with this internal conflict week that we're doing. And Matt's just talking about his experience yesterday, the feelings that it left him with, and then how he addressed those feelings from trying to be objective with himself and asking himself the kinds of questions he would ask somebody else. You know, does this one experience actually represent your entire career? Well, no, it does not, in fact. And then making sure that he's looking to somebody he trusts, who has had the same kind of experiences in the past, who would understand and will tell him the truth. And I think it's so important that you mention that, Matt, because it's really easy for us to find people who will blow smoke up our ass very happily. Um, and often the things that they say to us in those circumstances are the things that they would like to believe about themselves, right? But we want people who will be honest, even if that requires a little bit of tough love. I know for me, there is rarely anything that will force me to grow as much as somebody looking at me in the face and just laying everything out on the table. And I've had this happen several times in my career where I was like, ah, okay. I clearly needed to hear that, even though it felt like a punch in the chest. <laughs> that was important. <clears throat> I'll deal. Um, but those things have been really important to me. And uh, so having those people, those trusted people, those friends that you trust to knife you in your front, <laughs> it's a really big deal, not only for dealing with imposter syndrome, but for all of the different issues we face, it's always so, so important to have people in your corner who will lovingly tell you the truth. Nicole, I, so I want to give you a chance to respond and then uh, get to Becca and Kat. Yeah, absolutely. So I just wanted to kind of follow up on that. It is a conscious choice to lean on my my human friends for that type of support rather than go to the internet. And I know it's ironic that I'm saying that on like a, an internet app. I get that. But if I were to go to Facebook and go into one of my groups and type something out, I'm never going to provide the right level of context. I'm going to probably get a lot more affirmations or it will take the conversation direction that I don't want it to go. And I don't need me personally, I don't need group affirmation. I don't need people telling me it's going to be okay. 
I need people to tell me, you fucked up or you should have done this. And I don't feel like the internet is the place to get that, which is why I keep my circle extraordinarily small and I keep my friends very, very close. And, you know, with that, I just, there are times and place for internet forums to talk about things. Then there are times and place where you, you need to have a rational human being in front of you or on the phone talking directly about your situation. And that's the reason I choose to do it that way. And I agree with you 100%. I think that's brilliant. I do the same thing. Um, and, and that's also, you know, we mentioned, what do you look for in the people that you go to when you have these kinds of questions? And that's one of the things, you know, can I trust them to do that? And are they, are they gonna show up for me that way? Which it's not something that we can guarantee when we're talking to people online. So I'm with you there. Um, Kat or Becca, do either of you guys ever suffer with imposter syndrome or fight with imposter syndrome and how do you deal? I think, I, I, I think <laughs> I'm to a point where I can recognize imposter syndrome in myself relatively quickly. Like there are some days where you're just like, why the fuck am I even here? I can't accomplish this. This is, I'm in way over my head and suddenly somebody else is going to notice, right? Um, but it, it's interesting. I was recently at an event. Uh, it was a, a women's networking thing. And I'm in a room with like 200 women in business. And it's very evident to me that even the photographers at the event don't value photography the way that I do. And one of the things that I've really been leaning into over the last probably two years is developing my skills as an artist versus business. Like I think I've got a fairly good grasp on, on business stuff and mindset and that kind of thing. And they had a marketplace um, at this event where like many of the women in business were selling all of their stuff and there was another artist there who is a painter. Now this woman had merch that was like so on brand for her, super funky, like lots, just really cool stuff. Uh, and I'm looking around and I'm like, interesting that I wasn't like notified or invited to provide any kind of whatever for this marketplace. And I got to thinking and I was like, well, all I would have is photo. So I'm just not gonna worry about it. Um, and then I got to thinking and I was like, well, why can't I have things in a marketplace that people might want to purchase outside of a photo shoot, right? Like, cause when we're sort of learning about all of the networking stuff and being a vendor, it's like, how do we sell photo shoots, sell photo shoots, sell photo shoot. And I was like, what if I made a retail line that was in support of that art brand and then I was like, who the fuck are you kidding? Like, you're not developing a retail line. Like, what? people don't want your fucking coffee mugs. And then I was like, wait, what if I made art out of it? Ooh. And so I start designing things and I'm talking to like production line people. And then I sat down yesterday after one of my calls and was like, I'm actually doing this. I'm developing a retail line. Okay. 
all right. And I'm like, just following that flow and realizing like that part of me is like, who the fuck do you think you are is just needs to take a seat. Like she can just go sit over there in the corner because obviously like everything's showing up for me to do this. So I'm gonna ride the wave and see where it goes. Now it could be like a total fucking disaster and money suck. I don't know, but I'm gonna give it a whirl and just be like, you know what? That part of me that's over here like, Kat, just focus on photo shoots. Like that's your business. And accepting the part of me that is an artist that wants to make more than just photo um, and just sort of explore that space. So it sounds like from what you're saying, Kat, that a, a big part of confronting those feelings of imposter syndrome is actually doing the thing anyway and being like, look, here's the physical proof. Yeah, yeah, like, okay. It, now, when I talk about like the business and the mindset piece, one of the things with mindset that I really try and hold true to for me, and this comes up with fear, whether it's imposter syndrome or otherwise, is recognizing it for what it is as just an emotion and saying, is this true? Yes. Okay, go do the thing or don't go do the thing. And then if it's false, because emotions are not reality, they are a construct in your being right? It's not truth. If it's not true, then you just go and do the thing. Now, it could turn out to be a total fucking failure. But at the end of the day, like, I would much rather, you know, try and fail than to not accomplish whatever and wonder, man, what would have happened if I had done X, Y, or Z? I love that. I love that. I love that. And I think you're absolutely right that a huge and important part of how we deal with this issue is being able to recognize that emotions aren't truth. So let's say that one more time for the, the people in the back. Emotions are not truth. Um, they are a reaction either to environmental stimuli or your biases or who you believe to be all of these things. But to say, <laughs> is it worth doing anyway? Like, is it true? in spite of the emotions, and is it worth doing anyway? And sometimes there will be things up for you that are worth failing at. And when they are, it doesn't matter how you feel about it. It doesn't matter do it. And it can be really difficult to force yourself to do something when you're having deep feelings of fear. But that's the only time courage can exist. Courage exists at literally no other time. There has to be fear to overcome for courage to be a thing. So keep that in mind at those times when fear pops up and tries to choke you. That's the world telling you now it's time to be a hero. So something important to remember. All right. So, so far we have when dealing with feelings of imposter syndrome, taking a little bit of time, making sure we give ourselves a chance to process those feelings, asking ourselves to look at the situation objectively. Is this true? Is this just my feelings? Is it worth doing anyway? And can I turn to people I trust to give me true, honest feedback that will be meant for my good 
so we can talk about and process some of these emotions. And not all of us will have those people close to us that we can trust. If you don't, try journaling. Try speaking out loud to yourself. Um, anything to help take what's inside and get it outside of you is going to be really, really helpful just to dealing with what's going on. So, Becca, do you deal with feelings of imposter syndrome? And when you do, if you do, how do you handle them? Sure. Um, though I think I've reached a, a good point for myself and being able to juggle those, juggle, oh, juggle those particular feelings. Um, but uh, yeah, as usual for me, uh, team empathy, team compassion, and uh, just remembering that other people also experience that self-doubt. And um, like every everything about work and careers and humanity and like society is all completely made up. And so I'm not really beholden to anything greater than um, myself, if that makes sense. And um, so like, no one's going to find out that I'm a fraud because I'm not a fraud. I'm, I'm authentically myself and I'm capable of what I'm capable of, just like anyone else is. And everyone else has started at a beginning to get to where they are now. And um, yeah, that's, that's my big scary approach to imposter syndrome and it's worked pretty well so let's let's explore that idea a little bit because i think it's going to be really helpful to people this reminder that reality is a construct like our experience of reality and then the let's call it the corporate illusion of reality so what we do as a group of people is come up with an idea about what reality looks like and then we agree on it we go yeah that's that's what my illusion looks like yours too yeah yeah our illusions look roughly like this so we will agree that this is real and that is what's the sentence in our in our own heads I know this can sound like a really strange concept, but the truth is your brain can, your brain is in a little black box processing electrical information. And it is making up ideas about what that electrical information means. This is soft, this is hard. That is bright, this is green. That hurts, this is pleasurable. Um, it's constantly taking those signals and interpreting them. So what you really have is you sitting on a little chair in a dark room with a VR headset on and that what that VR headset constructs is what you believe to be true about the world. And when enough of us have the same illusion, reality, and we measure it, and we quantify it. And basically what Becca is saying here is that if it's all, <laughs> If it's all an illusion, everybody's starting from the same place. Like, who, who else gets to tell you what the rules are to who you get to be and how you can behave and what you have to believe about yourself? 
and what success looks like and what an imposter means and all of these things. She's beholden to herself. She doesn't have to live up to the rules of somebody else's illusion or somebody else's VR headset. And when you think about it like that, there literally cannot be such a thing as an imposter because here we all are collectively dreaming. So I hope that that makes sense. I know it's kind of a weird, a weird thing to think about. And this is not like mystical woo woo. This is just an analogy for what's actually physically happening in your brain. Um, and understanding that down at its base level really means exactly what she said, that at the end of the day, what does it mean to be an imposter? Who gets to define that? Why are you being mean to yourself? <laughs> my, mom, um, my mom will often, when I, when I get into these areas of struggle, she will tell me, quit being mean to my daughter. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh man, you don't realize that you're doing that. You don't realize that what you're doing is talking to yourself, bullying yourself in a way that you would never do to somebody else. Especially if all of those things are just a construct anyway. What a stupid thing to bully yourself over ideas that don't actually physically exist in the world. I know that that goes down a crazy tangent, so you'll have to forgive me for that one. I want to give you guys time to respond to everything that has been said this far before I share my personal way of dealing with imposter syndrome. And then we ask our friends in the audience if they are willing to share how they deal with that internal conflict of imposter syndrome. Nicole, I, I'm going to ask Kat to hold me honest on this, but Johnny Edward posted a meme, God, it was a couple days ago, I think, uh, maybe last week, where it said something along the lines, don't quote me because I don't have it in front of me, was something along the lines of, when you feel imposter syndrome, you've set the bar so high and you respect your art so much that you feel like you're not doing it justice. Now, I don't know if that's the exact quote, but it hit me really hard is that this is coming from a place that you respect what you do so much and you want to be so good at it that you often bully yourself or beat yourself up about it, but it's held true to the respect for that art and that you have high standards. And I, I found that relatively comforting, to be quite honest. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I do like photography so much that I don't think that I'm ever going to be as good as it as a, good at it as I could be. Um, because I love the art of it so much. I don't know if that's good or bad or destructive or not, but I just kind of dug the the spin on it. It was a positive thing. Yeah, I remember that meme. I remember thinking the same thing, like, ooh, that's a good way to think about it. Anybody yeah, I was else? just I don't think I saved it. But no, I remember what you were talking about. And, and understanding that you do respect the the thing right whether it's art or, or something else enough to feel like what you're able to execute doesn't meet that expectation um that that is a truth right like that is the moment where you can be like okay i'm not as great as i want to be yet but it's it's also giving you an opportunity to set the intention and go after being better 
and developing that that sense of mastery to try and, and reach that bar. Um, you know, when when I started in photography, like, God, my work was garbage and I was an imposter. Uh, because I, I wanted it, but I knew that every time that I had the opportunity to practice, whether with clients or models or whatever, like that was an opportunity to try and get to a higher level in my skill set and my ability to to execute something I was proud of and something my clients would be proud of too. Um, and that's really like the best way to defeat the imposter side of things is like, well, look, this is an opportunity for me to grow. Yeah, I think that really comes back to our discussion on what a growth mindset is, right? We can either look at the difficulty ahead as impassable or an opportunity. If you look at it as an opportunity, that changes everything because it changes what you believe yourself to be capable of in the long term. So I love both of those, both of those things, guys. Um, I hope folks are paying attention. If you're just joining us today, we're talking about imposter syndrome, this internal conflict, and how we tackle it. We've had some really fantastic advice so far. Everything from looking at things objectively, making sure we take time to feel our feelings um, and address those, but understand that those do not represent reality. And so we need to look for the, the evidence and find out what the evidence says. We need to talk to people and get their feedback. And these hopefully are people we know, we trust, who will tell us the truth for our own good. Um, and remember that much of what we believe to be true is in fact just a construct that we've all agreed upon. Um, and we don't really have anybody to answer to but ourselves. Um, and that sometimes these feelings will arise from the deep respect for what we do and that we recognize that it takes a lot to reach such a high bar. So keeping those things in mind, as you look at dealing with imposter syndrome. I'll share a little bit about how I do this. And then friends in the audience, if you have ever tackled imposter syndrome, would love to hear from you. How do you overcome it? How do you deal with it? Go ahead and raise your hands and we'll pull you up. So for me, um, the way I deal with imposter syndrome is that I don't. And I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that. A big a big aspect that separates imposter syndrome from just general anxiety about a situation is the result has to be i am a fraud right it, it can't be here's something i haven't done before i might not be good at it yet it means i am a fraud and the only way i am a fraud is because everybody finds out about it so there's two aspects there there's the fact that people have to figure it out right they need to find out. So there's a corporate aspect, the group or society, or just the other person is gonna know, I've been faking it this whole time. And then the result is now I am a fraud. So those kind of two things have to be present. And for me, well, hang on, let me backtrack a little bit. So those two things have to be present, which presupposes if the idea that somebody is going to find out you're a fraud terrifies you. That means you are deriving some level of your self value from being 
good at the thing you fear you're a fraud in. So somewhere in there, an important piece of your identity is built around being good at this thing or being a master of this thing. Because if you were not, if you knew I just picked up a watercolor brush for the first time and somebody said, man, that painting is not very good, you wouldn't go, God, I'm an imposter. You would say, yeah, this is my first one, <laughs> right? But if who you believe yourself to be and the value that you have for yourself is somehow centered around being great at watercolors and somebody says, man, that's not a very good watercolor painting. And your reaction is, I'm a fraud and it hurts and I don't want people to find out. The reason you don't want them to find out is because being good at this thing is important to your idea of who you are. We've talked before about the fact that we each build an ego for ourselves, a construct um, that is kind of a seat of our self-value. And when something challenges that identity, it psychologically causes pain. And so we will go out of our way to avoid the pain that will be caused if such a thing happens. This is why imposter syndrome is so painful because it threatens to expose the fact that we've built our identity around a thing we don't necessarily believe to be true. Okay, all of that to say, I have been very intentional about building my identity around being a learner. So if somebody were to come up and say, I saw Nicole shoot, her process is crap. I don't know how she gets these photos. It's probably all luck. This does not frighten me because I am a learner. This is an opportunity for me to learn a new thing. That doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to give what that person says credence, but the idea of somebody saying she's not as good as she says she is does not scare me even a little bit because it doesn't threaten my identity. And that's where imposter syndrome becomes so dangerous. It threatens your identity. And so if you have built who you are around being the best photographer in the room, when somebody finds out you're not as good as you think you are, that imposter syndrome is going to show up and bite your head off. But if you have built your identity around being kind, being generous, being somebody who's always willing to learn and take criticism, if your identity is based in those areas, imposter syndrome literally ceases to exist because it can't exist in that environment. How can you be an imposter at something you believe you're constantly learning and growing into? And this happens a lot of times when photographers are creating tutorials for folks. They will build the tutorial in such a way that you don't see them make mistakes. You don't see them put their lights in the wrong place because they need to maintain the illusion that they don't screw things up, which is not true. No matter how good we are, we don't get perfect light placement 100 out of 100 times. Most of the time we gotta go fiddle with things a little bit. So the way that I deal with imposter syndrome is that I don't build my identity around being good or being a master or whatever of the thing. I build my identity around areas that can't break, 
so that if somebody does show up and say, she doesn't even know what this is or what it means, I can be like, cool, what does it mean? <laughs> Instead of being like, oh my God, they just exposed the fact that I'm an imposter. Because I can't be, not when I've built my worldview in that way. Not only my worldview, but who I believe myself to be. So that is the way that I deal with imposter syndrome. It is getting warm. So I want to give y'all a little bit of time for feedback and then want to start addressing. Friends in the room, I notice we have, oh, maybe my thing is not updating. It's showing me that Jean and Cicela have their hands raised. So I want to make sure we grab you guys up. Um, but before we hear from you, Matt, Becca, Cat, want to give you guys a chance to respond and then would love to hear from Jean and after that from Cicela. No comments. I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, Cicela and Jean have to say. Same. Also, I, I changed my profile picture and it's so that I can look really strangely at Matt. <laughs> I support Aww. this idea. Thanks, Kat. <laughs> All right. I love it. Um, okay, Jean, let's hear from you and then from Cicela. Well, you know, I just wanted to say that, I mean, I don't make mistakes at all and i'm one of the best photographers out there i mean i just hang out here on the artist forge in case i can help you all figure something out um, i just i thought that was a foregone conclusion but <laughs> um well now obviously we know. thank god obviously, you're here <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> um you know so i recently went through this i um have been really really inspired by somebody and I feel like I'm always calling her out so I won't do that but she's you know in this group um in portrait photography and I recently had a friend here from Columbia and she wanted to do a photo shoot and so I nervously started to think okay what am I going to do what am I going to do what am I going to do and there's this one in particular image that I really love from this individual's work and I sent the picture to her of herself and I said, hey, I'm going to try to replicate this. And immediately she came back with an extremely encouraging response, kind of excited, wanted me to keep her posted to, to kind of see what I did. And I got really good feedback when I attempted to do the same type of image. And I guess... I never thought about this, but as I'm listening to you talk today, it seems to me like I've always been, I mean, I probably don't come off as a bad boy, but you know, in my life, I've always asked for forgiveness instead of permission in life. But I feel like sometimes, especially when it's somebody that I respect so much that I prefer to get some sort of, I guess, approval to attempt to emulate somebody because it makes me feel more comfortable doing that. Um, and I've learned that no matter how hard I try, I mean, I, 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 I gave it a good swing and I'm really happy with what I came up with, but it's nothing at all like what she did. It's nowhere near as good in my opinion, but the person I photographed loved it. I was really happy with it, especially considering the fact that I don't have a studio. I don't have all the, 
the, the experience and the tools and all this kind of stuff, I, I was really happy with it. And I just felt very comforted and very appreciative of the fact that this person supported me wanting to emulate her, something that she did. And it occurs to me that there's two sides to the whole imposture thing. I mean, there's the artist who might feel like they're imposturing someone, but then there's also the artist who people want to be, who want to emulate. And I guess I just feel like because of the people that I've surrounded myself with, I guess, virtually these days in my life, I feel very strongly about at whatever point I get to the point where someone ever wants to emulate me, I'm going to throw that person all the support and, and, and love that I can, because to me, that would be a huge honor. And I would love that. And no matter what, you're always going to put your own positive spin on it. So I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to emulate work. So I guess in my mind, when we're talking about imposter syndrome, that's the version I'm thinking about it. I mean, I, every time I post a YouTube video, I feel like an imposter, but, but you know, when it comes to like copying someone's work or attempting to, to recreate something that you love, that you've seen somebody else do, I do tend to ask for permission or, or at least kind of seek that approval. Uh, I probably don't need to do that, but it makes me feel more free to, to create. And that experience that I had with this particular portrait was really fun and positive because I wasn't worried that this person was going to judge me uh, for trying to do something that she did. So I just, um, that's kind of where I am with imposter syndrome. Definitely something I, I've had to deal with a lot as I transition in, you know, into photography full-time. I'm done. Really interesting, I think, Gene, to, um, to look at imposter syndrome from the perspective of trying to create derivative works or, uh, or similar styles or um, whatever, because it's certainly not something that I would have necessarily thought of when it comes to imposter syndrome in general. Um, and definitely an interesting take and something worth worth thinking about on how that applies um, and how we each reach our own levels of comfort with the way that we approach our work. So I'm definitely going to be thinking about that one today. Um, Cicela, would love to hear from you this morning as well. Good morning. I'm going to do this pretty quickly because I have a client coming, so I'm living on the wild side here in 10 minutes. Okay, so <laughs> basically um, the way I, I have a ton of imposter syndrome uh, all the time, every day, um, <laughs> in many different ways, in business, in my art, all the stuff. And one of the things that I try to do is something that I was taught both by my therapist, but also teachers from my past. And that is, um, what do you know to be true? ask yourself the question. I, I know I talk a lot about talking with yourself and people must think I'm mad at this point, but um, there's a really valid point in asking yourself questions and be curious. Um, so I'm like, okay, what do I know to be true? I can observe within myself that are no based on my work, my credentials, all these wonderful things that I am a good photographer. That I know to be true. And then I just kind of go on asking myself questions. Is it true that you are an imposter? Just to simplify things like, nope, that is not true. It's not something that I can actively observe. 
first of all. Um, it's, it's something that is a story that I'm making up in my head about something. It is not the factual truth. And I'm a very emotional person. So going about these things in a very factual, logical way feels in the beginning very counterintuitive. But it also is really good at curbing that emotion that a lot of us uh, artists have. Um, because let's face it, art is often uh, the result of a lot of emotion. So what I try to do is go about it in a logical way and just kind of inquiry within myself, is this true? What do I know to be true? Um, that's basically it. And I'm going to probably run in a moment, just so you know. I love that. Um, I know David talked about this. It's been a couple months, maybe now, I guess, but he basically said what you did, which is bringing the scientific method into your thinking there. Like, is this an observable phenomenon? <laughs> no, it's not. Um, which is, which is such a great thing to do. I know, sorry guys, it's, it is time for cars and leaf blowers. Okay, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and mute myself and give Erica a chance to talk. Hey, I hope you all can hear me. I'm at my studio today doing yard work, good times, but popped inside because I wanted to first of all thank Nicole for so eloquently saying what I feel um, at where I have placed my identity, which is learning. Um, I, um, you know, I certainly have done my best to try not to place my identity in what other people think of me or my work because they've not earned that right, you know, and I'm not going to give them that power. Even, even my husband sometimes doesn't like my work and I'm like, well, that's okay. Secondly, I think it's important to me not to be the best photographer or be the number one or, you know, whatever. It's to be the best I can be. And I know that that will never stop. So like you said, if I'm placing my identity in learning, you know, and somebody says, you're not that good. I'm like, I'm still learning. I'm still, you know, and I hope I never get to that point where I feel like I have arrived because that means I've lost my purpose. And so, um, again, I enjoy the process and I, I place my identity in learning and I love the way you put that. Ooh, Erica. What you just said right there, I think is so important. I'm going to repeat it. They don't get a chance to speak on your identity because they don't have that right. Boom. Like, Amen. yes, like that is so, so, so good. Why do we do that to ourselves? Give somebody else, somebody who hasn't earned it somebody who doesn't have our best interests at heart, somebody we don't trust, somebody, et cetera, et cetera. Even, even when they are people we do, why do we give them the right to speak into our identity? Oh, I'm gonna be thinking about that one all day. I love it so much. Okay, we're nearing the end of the hour, so it's time for final thoughts. I will come in and help close things down towards the end. But it's been a really fantastic conversation today full of so much good advice and, and vulnerable personal experiences, which are so appreciated. It's time for final thoughts. Go. Nicole, I'm imposturing Kat by looking at Matt now. This is getting weird. This is getting weird. Um, I think- turned toward Matt. Kat is looking at Matt. Jean's pretending to look at Matt. <laughs> <laughs> it's Matt show. 
funny thing is this will all change tomorrow and you'll have to change your your pictures again um i think you know the the final thought that i have is it's clear that we're all faced with this from one time to another it doesn't mean we have to dwell in it but i love what cicelo was talking about is is it true and 99.99% of the time it's not true so just kind of be gentle with yourself and keep reminding yourself that it's the this is going to sound like a hallmark thing but it's it's the journey that you're on and look back every now and again and you'll see how far you've actually come you're not an imposter uh, one little tidbit that I've held on to um, that I have to credit to photographer uh, Laura Sheridan is uh, when you do receive that external criticism. Um, so like Nicole and Erica too, I, I found that very interesting that you guys talked about like, you know, how, how you personally respond to people's judgment or, you know, if they are considering you an imposter or not. Um, but anyway, so when, when you get criticism, all you have to say, whether that is, you know, actually to the person or to yourself is just, okay, that's it. That's the end of that conversation. And then you continue doing what you're doing. And I just felt like that was so incredibly powerful. Um, like, that's it. You don't have to stew on it. You don't have to make it an argument with someone, you know, whether or not you are valid or what you do is valid. Just, okay, that's it. I love it. I love it, guys. All right. Sorry if you happen to hear the dishes clinking. My children apparently think that the entire house is a buffet and they can leave their plates and their cups and their glasses just anywhere they want. So, uh, busboy mom is here <laughs> to save the day. All right, so imposter syndrome, like Matt said, something that every artist is going to come up against at some point. It doesn't mean that this is a psychological issue we're going to deal with and everything for the rest of our lives. But there's certainly gonna be certain areas where this thing pops up and that little voice inside your head says, oh, everybody's gonna find out that you're really not the thing. You're really not a great photographer. You're not a great business person. You've been lying the whole time. And it's important to remember where that comes from, right? We have a psychological imperative to protect our identity because that's the seat of who we are, which means our brain wants to keep us inside of our comfort zone. It doesn't want us to take risks. And when we take the risks are the times when we are most likely to expose ourselves. Um, if you only ever do the one thing that you're comfortable with, the chances you'll be exposed as a fraud, pretty slim. But as soon as you start taking chances, you put yourself out there, you hang up your sign, you put in for an award, you compete in a competition, you have a client who is a high profile client, all of a sudden, the possibility that you may ex be exposed as a fraud, as an imposter, goes up exponentially. But if we take the time to ask ourselves, is it true? Look at it objectively. 
allow ourselves to feel those feelings. It is okay to feel those feelings, but remind ourselves that feelings are not reality. We have proof that will show us otherwise. We talk to people we trust who have our best interests at heart and who can tell us, look, you're making shit up. Stop bullying my friend. Stop bullying my daughter. And also when we really take the time to consider how are we building our identity? And have we constructed our view of ourselves in such a way that it must be true in order for us to be a worthwhile human? I must be the greatest photographer in my town. I must never make mistakes or people will know. Man, we're constructing our identity in a dangerous place because it will fail eventually. At some point, we are gonna fail. And then all of the sudden, even if nobody else knows it but us, we have just reinforced the thing we fear most about ourselves, to ourselves. Aha, that client, that difficult client finally showed up and here's the proof I've been expecting to find all along that I really am an imposter. And all of a sudden, now we've got the proof that's in the opposite direction, the thing we didn't want to be true. Heaven forbid. So we have to cut it off before we ever get to that point. We need to understand where our identity is being built. And we need to ask ourselves, like Erica mentioned, who gets the right to speak into our lives that way? Who gets the right to speak to our identity? And where is that identity being built? And if it is in an anti-fragile place, then you can't be hurt by being exposed because what are you? what is being exposed? That you're constantly becoming a better version of the person that you are, that you're constantly aiming to grow and learn, that your goal is to be of service to people or to help people. You can't knock anybody down in those areas. I can't, you can't be exposed. You can't be an imposter learner or an imposter giver or an imposter service person. So just a lot of things to think about when it comes to how we deal with these feelings. Try this stuff, give it a go, find out which techniques are gonna work best for you. Journaling, talking to folks, um, giving yourself the time to feel those feelings. Just give all that stuff a try when those feelings pop up. Find out what works. And if none of this stuff resonates with you, as I've said before, maybe you don't need it. Maybe you're not at a place in your life or your career when this is relevant to you. And if not, that is freaking awesome. If you ever happen to come to that place, try to remember these things. And if you've got something else, a different way that you deal with imposter syndrome or these feelings, I really hope you'll share it in the Facebook group. I hope you'll go and be a light and provide advice for other people who deal with these issues that can be really incredibly difficult. Shine a light backwards on your path a little bit so they can see where you came from. And maybe you walk in your footsteps to a place where they won't have to deal with this as much anymore. All right, y'all. Fantastic conversation today. Thank you to everybody who participated in it. Um, 
and shared your experiences and, and what it's like for you to deal with imposter syndrome and the steps that you take to help get past and through it. Hopefully it was helpful. Tomorrow, we're gonna to be talking about fear of success. So I hope Cicela will be able to be here um, with us for that one because I know it was a particular thing that she mentioned. We're gonna talk about that, try to be constructive a little bit, see if we can get to the bottom of where that comes from and figure out how we can deal with it so that we don't hold ourselves back from the things that we really want. We'll continue talking about internal conflict for the rest of this week, both here and in the Facebook group. I hope you guys will join us bright and early tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, that it's 6 a.m. for the West Coast and 9 a.m. for the East Coast. In the meantime, have a fantastic day. Go make something amazing, and we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks again for listening to this live Clubhouse discussion moderated by all of us at the Artist Forge. We hope you found the information useful and that it helps you gain a little bit of insight as to how you work on your craft. For more episodes, please join us each weekday on Clubhouse or visit theartistforge.com. Now go make something incredible.